back to our message series, Do Not Fear, It's Good News, where we're looking at all the angelic visitations people received around the birth of Jesus for our Advent season. This week, it's all about Joseph, Jesus' chosen stepfather. And our story comes from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, a righteous man, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had made up his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Notice all the other angelic visitations have happened in person with the angel Gabriel, but Joseph is unique here. The angel chooses to visit him through his dreams. Sometimes the only time we ever get quiet enough to hear from God is when we're asleep. Maybe that's why the angel chose to appear to Joseph through his dreams. Maybe Joseph was so busy during the day being a carpenter that he was never quiet or still enough to tune in to God's voice. The occupation of being a carpenter is one where you never stop moving. You've only got so many hours in the day to get your work done, and it's physical labor. So the angel comes to him during the only time he is quiet and still, when he's asleep. The angel will come to him two more times after this through his dreams to give him more important messages about fleeing from the evil King Herod who will seek to kill this child. You know, there are many different types of dreams. Some dreams are beautiful, like flying dreams, and we remember them long enough to tell someone about them and think, oh, that was a really cool dream. Some dreams are actually nightmares, and we have trouble forgetting them. Some dreams are so vague that as soon as we wake up, we knew that we were dreaming, but we can't remember the dream at all. We instantly forget it upon awakening. And then there are some dreams that are so vivid, we remember them for years and years. Those incredibly vivid dreams don't happen that often, but when they do, we usually never forget. Like this one. I was stranded in Malta for 10 days, just like the Apostle Paul. No, it wasn't a shipwreck that stranded me there. It was the pandemic. I could not come back home to the U.S. because of COVID, so I'm over there not very happy at all. And I'm sound asleep one night over there about 2 a.m. in the morning, and I start dreaming about my dad who passed away back in 2009. I'm standing in an empty bar-type restaurant talking to my son who's seated at the bar when I feel the presence of a person coming up behind me. So I look at my son and I say, is there a man standing behind me? He says, yes. And I turn around with that look of suspicion because even in my dreams, I have an attitude about strange men. <laughs> and I see what looks to be my dad in his 40s standing there. So I turn back to my son and I say, is that dad? And he says, yes. 
And I immediately turned back around and said, Dad, where have you been? We've missed you. And he said, I am always with you. Group hug, and we stand there holding each other, crying in this big embrace, just filled with joy to be with Dad again. And I'm crying so hard that I wake myself up crying. And as I sit up in the bed, drying my tears, I realize that was no dream. That was a visitation. There is a difference. So I called my son, who was still awake over in the U.S. It was about 9 p.m. his time. And I told him everything about the dream, and he started crying too and says, yes, I can feel him still with us. He needed that reassurance just as much as I did that night that we're not alone in the world. The Bible tells us that God can communicate to us through dreams. Scriptures say your old men will have visions and your young men will dream dreams. These are no ordinary dreams. These are the type that move us, warn us, inspire us, or reaffirm something for us that we needed reaffirming. This is the type of dream that Joseph had, a vivid, angelic visitation from the angel of the Lord, not just an ordinary dream. I mean, my goodness, it's recorded in biblical history. What the angel of the Lord commanded Joseph to do is very important. He said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife and claim her child as your own. That child is from the Holy Spirit. Of course, we already knew that as readers of the gospel story. And Mary already knew because the same angel came to her months ago in person. But poor Joseph finds out differently. It's kind of like he's the last to know. But through a prophetic dream, a major spiritual experience that changes the trajectory of his life. Notice the angel waited until Joseph had made up his mind to divorce her quietly before he appeared to Joseph. This is an important side note. Joseph's decision to quietly divorce her shows us just how righteous a person Joseph was. Righteousness for them meant keeping the letter of the law. But Joseph values Mary's dignity and God's command to love one another more than keeping the law. So Joseph's righteousness is above and in spite of the law. The law for their time would have required a public trial, shame, and disgrace for Mary. But he chooses to protect her from all of that instead. Can you imagine how deeply in love Mary must have been with Joseph after she realizes the sacrifices he's willing to make for her? Their community would look shamefully on their marriage because of her suspicious pregnancy. But Joseph like Jesus does later, ignores their shame versus honor system in that culture and values Mary more than anything else in his life. She and Joseph were truly committed to each other and this mission God entrusted them with. Jesus must have been raised in a truly loving environment where the husband is willing to go above and beyond to love and protect his wife and family regardless of whatever other people's opinions were. His obedience to God to love one's wife as Christ loved the church, meaning they are to love their wives enough to be willing to die for them, is remarkable. Have you ever realized the significance of this love story between Mary and Joseph in the middle of all our Christmas celebrations? Joseph is a role model for husbands and fathers today. So it was only after Joseph had made this decision to fix the situation the best way he knew how, by quietly divorcing her, that the angel appears to him reassures him this is the path God has chosen for him 
and commands him to name the child Jesus. Now, this is very important for Joseph to be the one to name the child because in their society, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance around the father's naming of the children, and much authority was attached to this. For Joseph to name Jesus establishes Jesus in Joseph's genealogy, the royal bloodline of King David, thus officially making Jesus the son of David. For Jesus to have Mary as his mother makes him the son of God. But Jesus also needed to have Joseph become his father to make him the son of David, which fulfilled the messianic prophecy given to the people by the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 7, 14, when Isaiah predicted, Behold, the virgin, or young woman, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. This is how Matthew explains the birth story of Jesus in the very beginning of his gospel. Pay attention to how the gospel of Matthew ends with the very last verse of his gospel being Jesus himself saying, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. What reassurance Matthew's gospel gives us. Can you believe how beautifully poetic this story is? Matthew began his gospel right before the story of Joseph's dream with a genealogy in chapter 1 listing all of Jesus' relatives all the way back to Abraham. This genealogy is further evidence to the first hearers of the gospel story that Jesus is the promised one they've been waiting for. In this list, Matthew includes not just men, as that was normally how bloodlines were recorded, but includes five women four of which were Gentiles. Mary was the only Jewish woman in the record. To include four Gentile women, Ruth, Tamar, the wife of Uriah, and Rahab the prostitute in this genealogy tells us so much more than we might realize at first glance. Jesus' name means God saves, but the question is, who does God save and from what does God save? Well, this genealogy listing shows the first hearers that God saves Gentiles as well as everyone else. Look at the ordinary people listed in Jesus' family tree. God includes everyone, even outcasts and prostitutes. And what is made clear by the angels' announcements is that Jesus will save us from our sins, not necessarily from the Roman Empire, which is what many were hoping the coming Messiah would deliver them from the oppression of the harsh and violent Roman imperial rule. No, but from the consequences of their own human sinfulness, yes, all of that disaster is what he will deliver us from, which impacts the entire world, one person, one family, one community at a time. Jesus, the Son of God and Son of David, the promised Messiah, will save everyone. Jew, Gentile, men, women, insiders, outsiders, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, freaks, rock and rollers, hippies, foreigners, in-laws, outlaws, you name it. Everyone from the consequences of human sinfulness. He is the world's savior if people will accept him and his radical way of loving God and others. He is the light of the world that came to us finally and only because ordinary people said yes to God, agreed to birth him, parent him, and love him in flesh and blood. Never forget how important it is that he became incarnate. He came to be with us and live among us as a flesh and blood human being. He humbled himself and experienced everything we experience. 
He struggled with temptation and navigating living in these weird bodies and had the same challenges as we do, so he understands us completely. We have a God that not only came to be with us in flesh and blood and share our human struggle, but is still with us today through his spirit and will always be with us until the end of the age. As John Wesley said on his own deathbed, his dying words to Methodists everywhere, the best news of all is that God is with us. Advent is the most countercultural time of the year for Jesus followers. We have our purple stoles and Advent wreaths, our candle lightings and singing of ancient carols. We get quiet and reflective as we anticipate week after week the anniversary of the true light of the world coming to us, which turned this broken world upside down on Christmas Day 2023 years ago. What a contrast to all the materialism and consumerism, the hype and the wild corporate parties taking place week after week around us. The consumer debt skyrockets. People buy gifts for reasons they don't even connect to the gifts that the Magi brought to the baby Jesus to honor him. They forget why we even have that tradition of giving gifts. It is all to celebrate the greatest gift of all, God's gift of sending the light for the world that we can't live without, Jesus. Jesus is our life. He is what separates us from all other religions. Joseph can serve as our guide during Advent. Joseph's experience invites us to value our dreams, to share our dreams, to imagine what our lives could become if we follow our dreams. If we take a chance and listen to the dreams we've been too afraid to consider seriously, maybe God has been trying to speak to you too. Maybe God has new light for your life awaiting you in the new year. Maybe we just need to get quiet, listen, dream, and make these moments a priority over the hustle and bustle of this season. Instead of worrying about shopping, cooking, sending cards and presents, cleaning and struggling to make everything perfect to have a big holiday party, we can choose to be inspired by these stories and take this season to renew our hope, create spaces of peaceful quiet in our days, pay attention to the moments of joy that God is sending, and love deeply every person God brings into our lives. Because if they love Jesus too, then spending time with that person is just one more way that Jesus is still with us, always with us, until the end of the age. Amen. Before we sing our closing song, next Sunday evening, that's our Christmas Eve service that's at 5 p.m., we are in need of some communion servers. So if you are able, willing and able to do that, if you would email me or call me or you can find the link for the Sign Up Genius on our Facebook page, send a carrier pigeon, however you need to get in touch with me, uh, we welcome you to serve in that beautiful way. If you're able, get on your feet. We're closing our celebration with Light of the World.
longs for a little bit of hope. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. A child prays for peace on earth, and she's calling out from a sea of hurt. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. If you're a newcomer, don't forget your gift bag on the back table as you leave this morning. And there's a bunch of free items on that back table. You're supposed to help yourself to all of those. Kids, what are you supposed to do with those free items? Steal it and do what with it? 
keep it or give it away. That's great. <laughs> Y'all don't forget, next week, Christmas Eve, we're having an 11 a.m. service and a 5 p.m. Invite all your friends and neighbors to come be with us. We're going to light candles and have amazing music and even have communion. So invite everyone you know. And be thinking about this. In the new year, January 6th, we're going to start a brand new message series called Wrestling with Doubt. We all have questions from time to time, and we're going to wrestle together with those questions and find the answers in January. So be telling your friends about that series starting in the new year. Receive this blessing. May God bless you and keep you and make God's face shine upon you always. Go now in peace to love and to serve God and each other. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Y'all go in peace.